0: The Kennedy Paradox, Chapter 6, Sector 13, Hastings Mountain, Colorado, Lower Patrol Area, July 19, 1986, 6.33 a.m. A constant barrage of mortar launches, automatic weapon fire, and exploding hand grenades rattled the tunnel security doors for two hours. The sheer bulk of the old military fortress's multiple doors repulsed the attack. With each successive thud and blast, Patch tapped his fingers on the power-up console. Three styrofoam coffee cups sat on the surface. The caffeine and the attack had his nerves frayed. Any chance of going back in time would be thwarted if these people outside could locate the power lines near the doors. Mankiewicz worked frantically in the lower area, formulating a credible plan for Patch to execute once he emerged back in time. The text informed him that the computers had stretched the estimated retrograde time beyond a month. On the forward monitor, they had prepared a video detailing the events of the past 12 hours. No matter where he landed in the world, he needed to proceed to Sector 13 and contact Mankowitz. The tape with a private message from Mankowitz and Patch's own corroborating verbal account would alert the Mankowitz of a month ago to the looming disaster. Patch leaned toward the outside perimeter monitor scanning the forest. Like any other day, the sun had broken over the ridge. A cloudy residue inundated the air. Terrorists in beige camouflage uniforms milled around several green military vehicles, while another group hacked away at the charred tunnel doors. Patch pressed his lips in turn when he saw Mankiewicz walk past the monitors with a white plastic food tray in his hand. Mankiewicz sat down the tray, loaded with sandwiches on the console. Without sustenance, we can't function. Patch grabbed a sandwich and quickly bit into the ham and cheese. I just pray we can get you two out of here before they break through. It's going to take a while before they get through those doors. Mankiewicz nodded, then crossed the room again. He conferred with three men at the station. A few minutes later, he returned with a maroon leather briefcase lifted it onto the table and popped the brass locks. A cellular phone box, a slim video machine, and a small portable computer filled the inside. Patch looked at Kate and then removed the computer. I haven't seen this slick model. Faster, it has a smaller chip. An entire intelligence schematic is inside. Mankowitz picked up a tiny black book. Just in case, people and numbers to contact. The New York and San Francisco explosions are on the video should be no doubt in june that you've come from july kate said on the counter what can you guys do two weeks ago that you couldn't do now minkowitz drank the soda and burped that's one hell of a question i can only say that we'll have two weeks instead of a few hours with the situation laid out the names of the funeral house gang i think we'll take whatever steps we need to to prevent armageddon it's still a big chance said patch we should go farther back with a full power-up? Yes, we don't have that luxury. And when we retrograde? When you retrograde, Patch, I'll try to align you as close to New York City as possible. I can't guarantee it. If you see the city standing come out of the bubble, you'll be successful. And if it's not, Minkiewicz did not answer. He studied a few readouts and then raised his hands into the air. Why the hell do we have warning lights on? Think they're coming through the ducks, Ray, shouted Harrington from the forward consoles. Mankiewicz banged the monitor. Jesus Christ, Dan. Patch left his half-bitten sandwich on the counter, took Kate's hand, and stepped up to Mankiewicz and Harrington. On the larger screen, soldiers scrambled away from the tunnel doors and up the forested slope. A flushed Harrington minus his coat and tie ran up the ramp. The few armed personnel left within the complex momentarily held back the intruders near the upper air vents, but the terrorists had gunned down four of Mankiewicz's technicians. Harrington believed they might have 15 minutes for the entire outside force, stormed into the lower area. This is going to get ugly, said Mankiewicz, looking at a pink and green air duct schematic on the computer screen. He shook his head several times and mumbled something to Harrington. Harrington seemed to concur. Then he rushed back to Patch and held his shoulder. Patch, I want you in the chamber now. Kate's going with me. I don't give a damn what you do. Just get your ass down there. He turned to his men across the room. Get them terrain jackets. Patch went over to the first systems console for several minutes as he ran reports on the power levels. He shook his head as Mankiewicz appeared behind him with terrain jackets. Mankiewicz helped Kate with her jacket, Returned turned back to the screen as Patch slipped into his camouflage survival jacket. Okay, Ray, you sure as hell know you can't send us back without some kind of power-up. And I don't see that in the reports. Patch, those bastards are inside the mountain. Forget them. How are you going to get us out of here? We'll handle that. Without a full power-up, you can put in coordinates. It won't take longer, but we could get you back a couple of weeks. Don't bullshit me, Ray. You don't know that. I'm going at focus dilation without a power up to get you back. That is a theory, and you could blow up this whole place. Is that right? What do you think the terrorists are doing right now? Mankiewicz put his hand on Patch's shoulder. Patch, we have no other option. Mankiewicz closed the briefcase. He thrust his hand behind Patch's back and pushed him forward. Patch held the briefcase in one hand and opened the fire door. He grasped Kate's hand down the stairs to the chamber ramp. Brilliant warning lights flashed along the bottom wall and down the concrete stairs. An early departure might mess everything up and send them into parts unknown. They emerged from the stairwell door. Patch looked up to the control area high above him. Makewood spoke in a booming clear voice above the outside pyramid. Where are you Patch? We just left the stairs. Ray, listen. Get as close to power-up as you can. Minkowitz, now at the window span, shouted into the speakers. I'm going to boost the chamber up exponentially. It's the only way. That will contain the power burst. I've never seen a computer simulation of that. He called over his shoulder as he and Kate approached the chamber hatchway. Never mind. Just get inside. You'll be fine. Right. Harrington yelled in the background. That's room, They're coming down the elevators. Close the security doors, Dan, shouted Patch. Inside the upper glass, Mankiewicz spun his hand like a plane propeller. Get in the damn chamber, I'll get in there myself. Patch grasped the briefcase handle and motioned Kate forward. Water beads coated the chamber's rounded chrome hatch. He flipped the white wall box's plastic up and then entered the access code. Again, he clawed at the edge, jarring it open. He motioned Kate forward. He helped her through and rotated his own body at the same time. The door sealed shut as a ubiquitous ultraviolet glare spread across the inner walls and fog ahead. Will we make it, Patch? We'll make it, Katie. But he knew the dilation had never been started without complete power-up. Minkowitz again came on the speakers. we going to activate the rods now, Patch. Okay. At least we're together, Patch. You're going back in time, Kate. We'll stop them before all this happened. This part will be easy. The persistent hum slowly diminished. Patch looked around the chamber. What the hell's going on here? Minkowitz grumbled on the speaker. What happened down there, Patch? I don't know, he said as his boots echoed across the floor. He pushed the speaker switch. Ray, why did you cut off power? Just stay in Patch. We'll figure it out. Those bastards are tampering with the lines coming in here. Patch exhaled and turned from the speaker. He's going to need my help. Just stay right here, Katie. I'll be right back. Right back. Patch, come on. You're safer here, believe me. He kissed her forehead and ran to the opening. At the hatch, he set down the briefcase and pushed against the door, nudging it open a few inches. Holding the briefcase, he ran back up the ramp and scrambled up the LCA stairs. When he opened the fire door, Mankowitz's eyes opened wide. Patch, what the hell are you doing up here? Get back inside the goddamn chamber. A dozen of more technicians turned toward Mankowitz. At the systems console, Patch pushed buttons and got new readings as he studied the monitors. Ray, we're not powered up. I bet you tripped the overload breakers in the Alpha computer. It could take hours to determine that, said Mankiewicz then I suggest we start. I'm going under the consoles to the Alpha readout. That's insane. More explosions, closer now, violently shook the control room. And I suggest if this doesn't power up in five minutes, we abort power-up and take the escape transit into the valley. Pat shoved himself away from the console and stomped across the room. He slid under an array of colored lights behind the main power-up console. He pulled at the bottom panel clip, just under the counter, Finally forcing the panel to crash onto the floor, a long tube led to the junction linkage of the Alpha computer. Minkiewicz yelled from the outside as Patch crawled into the circuit tube's blue glow. The Alpha junction door embedded in the right side of the tube paralleled a series of cooling fans. He ripped off the door and tossed it across the tube. Red digits on the readout screen revealed a power drop and the severing of computer and SEC-9 power lines on the southern side of Sector 13. He called back through the muffled passageway. Ray, get me some monitoring equipment so I can reroute the power. No response. Ray, come on. Patch slid the inner door to the right and manually traced the power outage to a line near the outside security doors. He typed in the secondary route to a power input via the SEC-11 lines to the north. Almost instantaneously, the numbers stabilized. which could now activate the power-up. Patch did not bother with the alpha panel and crept on his back up the tube to the LCA opening. Ray, power-up, Ray, power-up! With two automatic rifles pointed at his head, he backed out of the tube. He sat up in the brighter light and his stomach wrenched. Three men in olive-green uniforms controlled the booth and had shot at least a dozen Sector 13 personnel. A pug-nosed Latin man with peppered hair strutted his large frame into the room. He had ammo belts crossed over his chest, wet dusty black boots and an automatic weapon. Beard stubble covered his pudgy face and his dark eyes focused on Patch. "'Who the hell are you?' asked Patch. "'You don't question us,' he said in a deep Spanish accent. What do you want? asked Makowitz. This place has nothing for you. An older, sandy-haired soldier with deep smile lines etched over his oval face had either a German or Russian accent and walked across the booth, waving two pistols in his large hands. We have secured the entire complex, Carlos. We have known about this place for six months. What are you doing here? asked Carlos. Makowitz turned in his chair slightly. It's a particle accelerator. You are a fucking liar, mister. Haven't you ever heard of quantum physics? We told you are launching weapons across space and time. You have no right to be in here, shouted one of the technicians as he stepped toward Carlos. Carlos smiled and fired his weapon once, ripping apart the kid's head and his body bounced off the console. you no guard son of a bitch shouted Mankiewicz as he stood. Is that what I am? I know who you are, said Mankiewicz. Patch-eyed the blinking red light on the panel for the power-up. You're wasting your time here. Carlos smiled as he marched up to Mankiewicz and slowly pushed the weapon barrel against his skull. You don't tell me what to do. One of the technicians began moving toward Carlos, but the other soldiers shot him several times with the pistol. The technician slid on his stomach, and then Carlos shot him in the back. Patch edged closer to the power-up button. You destroyed that country, you bastards, shouted Minkiewicz. We have nothing left. I don't like you, said Carlos. He fired at Minkiewicz's chest, throwing his body back in the chair. Blood oozed through his white shirt, and he showed no movement. Patch glanced at Minkiewicz and then at Carlos. You might as well kill me while you can. You obeyed the brief, you wise ass. Carlos pushed Mankiewicz's limp body onto the bloody floor. I need you to help me. Patch stared at the dead technicians, but he saw the red light flashing in his peripheral vision. In order to travel back in time, the power-up process needed to commence. Kate was still down there. If he could send her back, even without the briefcase, her resourcefulness would guide her to the Mankiewicz of the past. I have to shut down this place before we're all killed. Carlos's unshaven face and piercing cold eyes remained only a few inches away from Patch. What the hell are you talking about? I don't understand. Because if I don't stop the overload, this place is going to blow sky high. This is a classified installation. Missile defense, lied Patch. This place is powered by a nuclear reactor that's about to melt down. You need to let me fix this. Why should I believe you? Do you really want to run the risk of being wrong, Carlos? Carlos thought in motion with one of his guns. You do what you have to do. But if you do anything against us, you will be executed. Understood. Patch sidestepped the lifeless Mankiewicz. His stomach jolted when he inadvertently stepped in Mankiewicz's blood. He leaned over the console and simply set the power-up sequence back in place. The power-up systems quickly cranked, shaking the booth. He wondered whether Mankiewicz had already set the power burst into the chamber. On the smaller timer, in the lower portion of the screen, the orange digits indicated Kate would be catapulted back in time in 2 minutes and 20 seconds. The officer pulled a patch of sleeve and passed the gun onto his cheek. Who are you? Patch pushed his lips together and stared at his captor. Captain Robert G. Kincaid, I work here. The chamber brightened green. What's happening down there? It sounds louder now. I don't want any tricks. It's winding down. It'll glow for a few minutes and then shut off. Another soldier appeared in the door. The upper area is secure. Good, said Carlos. He turned toward Patch. You had better not be lying. We have an overload situation up here. In 1 minute and 11 seconds the chamber would dilate, sending Kate back in time. Carlos seemed confused. This is suspicious. It's not working. You people made me wait too long. The chamber is going to blow. This whole place will be destroyed unless I deactivate it from the inside. Carlos looked down toward the chamber and then faced Patch. Deactivate! Deactivate! Patch ran from the booth but the soldiers followed him into the stairwell. He questioned whether he could enter the chamber before power-up. With their weapons held upright, Carlos and Eric trailed him from the stairwell toward the chamber. As the concrete rocked with the power-up, Patch sprinted toward the chamber. He turned abruptly and motioned his hands toward the floor. Everybody down! Down! Carlos and the others leaped to the floor as Patch reached the chamber and entered the security numbers. The door loosened slightly as a massive rush of steam and wind pushed outside. He fought the onslaught and slipped into the swirling mass. The hatch slammed shut. Someone pounded from the outside of the hatch. Patch turned and sprinted into the brightening fog. Maybe Kate had leaped into the displacement. Carlos Sanchez called his name through the speakers. KIN Kay, KIN Kay. Patch did not see Kate as he jogged down the gritty walkway. He knew what would happen ahead. Hesitation would get him killed. Minkowicz would have told him to go forward. For a third time, Patch Kincaid disappeared into the time dilation fields shifting nebulous gases. He no longer heard the taunting terrorist as he continued to call for Kate within the clouds. Kate! Kate! Without the briefcase, his story would be challenged. He soon sensed movement and weightlessness within the timeless morass. Minus food and water, he could die, Then he worried about Kate's pathway back in time. Yet explaining everything to the Mankiewicz of two weeks ago, with no proof, presented a major problem. And what of Korbinski's self-consistency principle and the dual identities for both Kate and himself in this time period? What if nobody believed him and he could not change time? History would then play out, again, annihilating United States cities. Crackbots told intelligence agencies wild stories all the time. He would find himself dead if they questioned his story. And what if he and Kate had traveled alternate routes back into the past? It might be impossible to find her unless she went right to Menkowitz. The fog whipped around him, varying in shades of gray and complete darkness. He spun into a slow weightless tumble and once again began his journey back in time.